This podcast tells the stories behind the craft breweries across the country. I'm Erica. Matt. And sound guy Ryan. And you're listening to an episode of Brewers. Hey everyone, you guys are listening to Brewers. Quarantine edition number 910. I don't really remember at this point. It's been a lot. But you know what? Uh, anything we can do to help flatten the curve and promote social distancing um i feel good about and you know it finally feels like we're finally hitting our stride and figuring out how to do this remotely um it's hard it's harder than i thought it was going to be because you know you mentioned it before like we don't have that energy um or it's hard to you know maintain that energy throughout it without being you know in the same room yeah it's super difficult um but i think you're right matt i think we're finally getting the hang of it and hopefully we don't have to do this too much longer yeah the light is at the end of the tunnel that's what i'm hoping for um i wanted to thank everyone and especially thank uh modern draft and shane um for being our guest last week we had an awesome amount of listens um it really helps when other people share our podcast not just us so yeah if you like what you're hearing definitely share it uh just go to our socials and hit the share button it's all you got to do yeah for sure um i learned so much with that episode i ended up listening back just to kind of kind of not that i I listen to my own stuff but i i I was interested in what shane had to say and sometimes you don't catch up you don't catch things when they're talking because you're kind of sometimes thinking of the next question you keep the conversation going um so it was a really good one and uh I have to thank Shane a lot, and I'm pumped to see that the Dregs, his podcast, is coming back this week um, with awesome guests. I'm so, so excited. Um, so make sure you're following them on social media, and we'll put the link below um, for their podcast as we did last week. Yeah, and this week we got Michael Fairbrother from Moonlight Meadery in Londonderry, New Hampshire. And I love doing episodes that aren't beer because... Not that I know everything about beer, but a lot of times, you know, you hear, oh, how many barrel systems someone's on? What are you brewing? And you hear a lot of, not the same things, but you hear a lot of similar things. So it's refreshing to hear how someone else is doing uh, a fermentable liquid. You know, I loved our kombucha episodes and I loved our our past meat episodes. So anytime we have an opportunity to do someone that's not beer related, um, I get a little bit extra excited. Yeah, so buckle in because it is a really good episode and we learn not, you know, only a lot about uh, Moonlight, but we get to learn a lot about Michael's claim to fame in the meat industry. Yes. So I do have some beer news brought to you by our friends, the Mass uh, Brew Bros. Um, And if you really aren't following them, um, you're not staying up to date with Massachusetts beer news, Uh, whether it's, you know, they were just calling out Remnant's uh, second birthday. Happy birthday, Remnant. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they're telling us, you know, Trillium Fenway is reopening with beer to go. But the article that caught my eye is um, several mass breweries are using um, those uh, eco-friendly um, can carriers. Eco rings. Yeah, the eco rings. And um, I'm really excited about this. So this article is actually in conjunction with uh, Mass Brew Bros. They shared it, um, but it comes from rob who is also a mass brew bro eco-friendly beer drinker uh so it's really really important to to be doing this i know that uh state 64 offers them as an option i got um a four pack with the eco-friendly um 
rings from Redemption Rock this week, and it was awesome. They're actually like a lot easier, in my opinion, to carry in my hand. Um, they seem a little bit more sturdier, and I didn't have a problem when I was throwing them away. Um, I don't when I do get pack techs, I don't throw them away though, so I do return them. So um, I would encourage our listeners to do so. I can't say it enough. Like, please go follow Mass Brew Bros because they are awesome. I can't tell you how many times I see news first because of them. They just have awesome sources, and I'm so honored to be partnered up with them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, in in other beer news, uh, we got East Regiment turning uh, one uh, this upcoming week, and they're going to be doing a free pizza Friday on the 29th. So if you buy some beer, you get a free slice of pizza. Uh, they also just released a new beer. Uh, it's called Shat Galaxy. I so love excited for that! Yeah, yeah, love their names. So definitely go and support them uh, because you know they just turned one. All of this happened. So go go get their beer, please. <laughs> yes, please. Um, Ryan, who do we have on deck next week? Um, I just want to I want to get people excited for this episode next week because what they're trying to do right now is so cool. Yeah, so on deck next week, we got Gilded Skull Brewing, and they're launching during this, which I find fascinating. Um, I wish them, like, all the luck in the world, because that yeah. is so, it's so inspiring to me that actually that that's happening. Yeah, so they're going to be uh, releasing a beer uh, in four packs, 16 ounce, four packs uh, this upcoming week. Um, they're teaming up with uh, Castle Island and Craft Collective in order to do this. So keep an eye out for Gilded Skull. Uh, again, you're going to hear all about them next week, but they have a great story. Again, I just cannot support them enough for trying to uh, come out during this whole endeavor. Yeah. Um, I'd also just like to address that the elephant in the room, Erica's not here this week. Wah, wah. Um, and there's no reason other than she's moving beer and wine hobby from Woburn to Danvers. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, so that's not only going to be closer to mine and Ryan House, which is good for us. Um, it just seems like a better location for beer and wine hobby, and I'm so ex- excited for them. And it's going to be a great move for them, and I love that they're our partners too. Yeah, no, I I think it's a great uh, business move. I mean, there's so many people that go up and down that road. Every yeah, there's day. two major malls on that road, so yeah, it's they're gonna they're gonna kill it. Yeah, so, for sure, um, they're so, gonna be. Uh, they have already opened back up. Um, um, as this episode airs, they opened up on Wednesday, so definitely put your orders on. Um, you can order online using our promo code Brewroots, uh, and get you some stuff to do yeah for sure um but ryan we had a busy last week we stocked up on beer oh man that's to the max that's, that's an, an understatement <laughs> so last thursday i texted ryan around 12 and i said hey ryan how would you feel about you going to new hampshire and i go to uh western mass and i pick up some beer and you pick up some beer and we do a social distance trade yes and guess what we did exactly that exactly that hell yeah (laughs) so i went to treehouse which is my second time and you went to i ended up going to tributary and then deciduous that's right and i also on the way back went to redemption rock 
shout out to Danny and, and the folks there. And I stopped at our good friends, Wormtown, which I'm wearing their hoodie right now. Yes. Um, and picked up some awesome beer. Honestly, um, I love Treehouse's beer. Do not get me wrong. And this is no slight against Treehouse. The best beer that I had from Western Mass was the overqualified Pink Boots beer. So good. Their hoppy pale like their hoppy pale uh, ale was unreal. Yeah, uh, my favorite from the New Hampshire side of the world would definitely be Fun Times from Deciduous. It was absolutely unreal. Oh my gosh, it was incredible. That literally that beer I had one on Saturday and then I just had one tonight and. I think I need to make another trip up to Deciduous or make you make go up to Deciduous because that beer was so good. Yeah. No, I mean, all of their beer, I've never had a bad can from them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, by the way, I miss, I mispronounced, not mispronounced, but that's a hoppy pale lager that overqualified. So yeah. good. Yeah. It, it, it's like rocking like a four or five or something alcohol volume. Yeah. yeah. It's like when I had it, it was super light, refreshing, but it had tons of really nice flavor in it. I really, yeah. really enjoyed it. And huge out to, to uh, Danielle Brooks, who made the can art for that. Like that can art is bad ass. Mm-hmm. Well, Ryan, we have lots of good beer to enjoy during this episode. Yes. So I think we're going to do that. I hope everyone enjoys their Memorial day weekend. I hope that you get to, you know, do it at a social distance and um, enjoy your hamburgers, your hot dogs. More importantly, you enjoy good beer and, um, Take a moment to, you know, remember a veteran or if you have a veteran in your life, celebrate them because um, a lot of people made like an ultimate sacrifice to give us a lot of the freedoms that we have here. Um, and that can't be debated, really. You know, that's 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 really fact. Yep. Take a moment, you know, to just to reflect because we are pretty lucky with some of the freedoms that we have here um, because of what people did in the past. Um, so cheers to them. And cheers to everyone. I hope you stay safe. I hope you have a great weekend. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Um, But before we do so, we have a word from our sponsors. Cheers. Cheers. Hey, Sound Guy Ryan here. Didn't know if you heard, but we're a part of the Hopped Up Network. There you'll find other informative podcasts about beer. So go ahead, follow them on social media, and visit them on their website, hoppedupnetwork.com, to learn more about the people, beer, and breweries from around the country. And until next time, thanks for listening. Cheers. This week's episode would not be possible without our amazing sponsor, Shirts on Tap. Each month, they team up with breweries from across the country and create a custom shirt and deliver it to your doorstep, along with stickers and coupons. Sign up today using the promo code BREWROOTS for $5 off your first box. Head on over to ShirtsOnTap.com today. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. You looking to get into a new hobby? Oh, yeah sure thing well erica where can we do that go down to beer and wine hobby Ooh. and what can we get there everything you need to start your homebrew journey and we'll help you along that journey by using our promo code brewroots to get 10 percent off your next order visit beer-wine.com to start your homebrew journey today all right so we are just a couple exits 
North. North of Massachusetts on I-93. Yeah. What was it? Exit 4? It was. be exact? It is. Um, and we are here. And, and to my own ignorance, I did not know that the premier mead producer in is right the here in math in the united states in new hampshire in the united states yes yeah, yeah. so in the united states <laughs> um resided in in londonderry and i i hear about the londonderry beer scene because we're a little bit more connected to the beer scene than we are the meat scene but but i think they're holding their own <laughs> seems like from what uh, okay. from the research that we've done uh on uh moonlight meadery if yeah. we didn't do a good enough job at describing where we are but uh, yeah that's where we are. We're here with Michael of Moonlight Community. Well, How welcome. Are you? I'm great. Thank you. Thanks All for right. doing this tonight. Um, we start every podcast asking our our guest um, their first memory of beer, and you and you're more than welcome to answer that question. But uh, we wanted to know your first memory of mead. Memory of mead. Yeah. Well, that I happen to remember quite well. Yeah. Oh, good. So it was um, <laughs> June of uh, 1995. I'm at a party, and somebody offered me a sizer. Now, I had no idea what a sizer was, but I want to embarrass myself and say that. Well, for our (laughs) listeners who may not, so why don't you let us know? Yeah, hang on a second. I'll wrap around to to conclude it. But um, if you've ever seen a little baby try something it loves for the first time, see the eyes pop right up? (laughs) Well, that was my reaction. And I looked at this gentleman. I said, what is this? He said, apple mead. I'm like, what's mead? He said, a wine made from honey. So this was an apple and honey beverage, about 16% ABV, tasted just outstandingly amazing. And I talked to this gentleman for the next hour, went home, bought honey, bought juice, and made two batches the very next day. And if you can remember back to 1995, and you guys look like you might not be old enough to remember that far back. We can remember. I, I can. I yeah, can yeah. <laughs> but none of us walked around with cameras in our pockets, so I had to go buy film. I had to get that film developed and hang on to it for the last 25 years. And I've got a picture of those first two meads that I ever made down in my nice. tasting room. That's awesome. Very That's cool. really cool. Um, what's your role here at Moonlight Mead? So I'm the founder, mead maker, um, head paper pusher these days, it seems like. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I oversee all the production um, that happens in our wine and cider. And you know, I could say wine, but mead and cider and beverage. You, you, wine is that the license that you have to produce or how does that yeah that's yeah. how it works so we're the largest production winery in the state of new hampshire at this point we sell to over 30 states in this country have exported to australia japan hong kong canada um we sell an awful lot of meat yeah. sounds like it now london dairy this area what made you settle and it's not known for its honey or it's was this just home? Or maybe it is. Yeah, this, or maybe it I is. Don't yeah, know. Yeah. this was how this was home. <laughs> okay. So, um, cool. started my garage uh, the year 2010. Formed the company in 2007, but I really never got off my butt to do anything <laughs> about it. And in 2010, when I started the company, it lasted two months in my garage, and we'd outgrown the garage. And wow. then I came looking for a new space. Found this. Uh, opened the doors in November. Less than two months later, I had to hire my first full-time employee, um, my fiance at the time, my now wife, Bernice. And um, within our first year of business, we started exporting to California. First winery in New Hampshire State history to distribute to California. And it's gone crazy since then. I mean, I've been flown to Chile twice. Sorry, um, I said that wrong. Uh, Once to Chile, once to Argentina, Uruguay, 
uh, twice to Australia and twice to Belgium to talk and present about my meads. Yeah. Wow. Been featured at international beer conferences and festivals all over the world. Yeah. Very cool. When we talk about mead, and a lot of times people's first reaction is, oh, I don't know it's if so I like sweet. mead. Yeah. Um, that wasn't yours. <laughs> but why do people often have that reaction, do you think? So I've taught at the Robert Mundavi Institute at UC Davis for three years, teaching professional mead makers how to make better mead. Mm-hmm. I've won medals at every mead competition we've ever entered. Um, so it can range. It can range from dry to semi-sweet to sweet. I have over 60 in my tasting room at any point in time for people to come by and try and taste. We have them arranged from dry to sweet so we can showcase that diversity. And it's all got to do with balance. Because as I've taught at the the National um, Beer Judge Certification uh, Seminar, talk to judges about how you judge a mead. You want the totality of the beverage to present. You know, you don't want honey to be the key element that you taste. It's, you know, imagine if you were trying to look at... um, this might get gross, but a sausage and try to pick out the flavors that are making up the sausage. That's not what people eat sausages for. They, they eat that for the totality of the dish, yeah. right? And so that's how mead should be. It should be art in the bottle or art in the, um, liquid art in the glass. Mm. I clearly can see your passion in mead, but before you caught that, mat, that passion, what was life before Moonlight? Oh, I was a chief operating officer in a software company, so I spent most of my career um, as a software engineer working my way from AT&T Bell Labs to Digital to Hewlett-Packard and then a lot of small startup companies I hope never ever has to hear about. But um, yeah, it's um, I've, uh, beverages, fermented beverages are my passion. I've done collaborations um, in Australia, California, United States, all over, um, from Florida up to um, New Hampshire with White Birch Brewing Company was the first professional collaboration I've done. Did a collaboration with uh, Smutty Nose or um, was it Portsmouth Brewing Company. Yeah, Portsmouth, yeah. Um, Urban Chestnut, Heretic Brewing Company, Smog City, Cigar City. Oh, holy um, cow. Wow. A bunch. Yeah. <laughs> Stone Brewing Company, just to name yeah, a few. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Very cool. What does it mean to do a collab for you? So we're usually making a braggot, which is a beer with honey. Um, And, you know, my skill set there, so the National Honey Board has paid me for two years to teach professional brewers how to make beer with honey, um, is to talk to them about the mash temperature and how to modify that temperature up a little bit so you have some unresidual or residual fermented, um, unfermentable sugars. Right. (laughs) Um, Sorry about that. No, it's Um, okay. After fermentation, because the honey is going to ferment dry. Mm-hmm. Consumers are expecting honey to have a sweeter flavor to it. So if it ferments dry, they're kind of confused because they're trying to figure out, well, you said there's honey in here and I can't taste any sweetness, so you must have screwed it up. <laughs> so if you modify the mash temperature from 154 degrees to 156 degrees, that two degree difference gives you some longer um, sugar molecules that will not ferment and that gives you the perception of sweetness So what we typically do is we'll add that honey in post-fermentation or um, post-boil, not post-fermentation, post-boil, so that it's contributing to the overall um, gravity or sugar content of the wort, but not contributing, um, I don't want to put that, yeah, just adding more sugar that's fermentable. Yeah, yeah. All right. Holy cow. That's cool. (laughs) I was going to ask you all about like the history of mead and all this stuff, but I think we're going to move past that. And just, we, I want to know, I mean, 
it's not every day we get to talk to someone who has this much knowledge of the beer of mead. So, where did you learn it? Was it something that self-taught? Self-taught? Yeah, completely self-taught. I made a lot of bad batches of mead. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't made a bad batch in a long time, but essentially, if you think about, what does it take to become an artist? So putting paint on a canvas is pretty easy, right? Little kids can do it. Remember kindergarten? I was putting paint on that canvas. (laughs) I was a pro. It it was not art. I mean, my parents might have put it on the fridge just to keep me happy, but it was nothing I think they could sell to make money. But what I was able to figure out is that honey and water mixed together is really pretty simple. But how do you make it taste amazing and, and think about how do you put it in a barrel and get those flavors to come about? So in 2010, I approached um, Sam Adams, um, um, Jennifer, the brewery manager down there, and I said, is there any chance I can get some of your Utopias barrels? She said, Michael, the dock is full. Come help yourself. I got 20 so of those cool. barrels. Mm-hmm. Nice. We've been aging mead in these barrels for the last 10 years. We're going to release Utopian number 10 uh, this uh, December, 10 years in the barrel. And this is the mead that got me named Brewer of the Year in 2017 for New Hampshire by the American Home Brewers Association. Nice. Do you know what it's like to be a winemaker that gets picked as Brewery of the Year Mm -hmm. in a year you're not even making beer? Yeah. (laughs) And especially in an area where you are surrounded by five, six, seven breweries. (laughs) Yeah. And and we were the first here, right? So um, the guys from 603 um, were looking to move in next door to us when um, when they were first looking to move south. And they're like, well, are you going to move? And I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, nothing's <laughs> guaranteed here, guys. And right. when you come in, I might have to move for a bigger space. You know, and yeah, we've been here for 10 years. We haven't moved anywhere. So, but then, you know, the rest of them came in. From the Barrel was next door for a little while. And then Kelson and Pipe Dream and, and all these rocking is right down the road. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, you got the long blue cat and... I'm sure I missed more than one. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right. It's like they're popping up every other. It's like week French too. fries, right there, yeah, right? Yeah, a dime yeah. a dozen. Yep. Um, but you know, the brewers make a community, and you know, I've tried to offer um, my skills and my techniques um, as I can uh, to the people in town and all over the world. To be honest, John Rogue, uh, John Mayer from Rogue, before he retired, called me up to ask about um, a braggot they had made and how he wanted to, to affect the flavor. And he was kind of, he was in a bind because he had used uh, champagne yeast to ferment uh, it and he had this flavor he didn't like. And I said, yeah. well, you used a tack hammer or a sledgehammer when you needed a tack hammer. And the thing the homebrewers need to understand is champagne yeast is really not used to ferment the wine to make champagne. It's only added to make the carbonation at the very end. So it's not a delicate instrument. You can't get the flavors you want if you're treating it as what you're fermenting everything with. Mm. What kind of yeast would you recommend for like a home brewer, let's say? For a mead? Yeah. So I, I like two, um, and there are many to choose yeah. from. Yeah, of course. And I've got a lot of friends in the industry that will tell you and argue there are thousands you can pick <laughs> from. But I like Lavalin 71B. That's the okay. go-to that we use for everything we make. It's a white wine yeast from Narrowbone, mm-hmm. France. Um, it's got a very nice uh, flavor profile. It happens to work really nice with fruit. It's pretty aggressive, so it's territorial. It'll it'll kill off the other Where wild microbes. There? Yeah. Um, so we don't sulfite or sorbate any of our um, juice or ingredients when we start up. We never boil our honey. Uh, the other yeast I used a lot as a home brewer was Lavalin's uh, 47D. Um, but 
as previous president of the American Mead Maker Association, I can tell you there's a a burgeoning variety of different yeast yeah. and you know from the the havoc yeast and such that really can rip through a mead pretty quickly. Right. Do you have a house yeast or? Yeah, we use seventy one B for our house house yeast. It's we pitch new time every time. Don't want to risk a hundred thousand dollar batch of mead on a hundred dollars <laughs> worth of yeast. So it's Makes my wa- <laughs> my wife would kill me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's no question. If you find me dead someday, that's uh, why <laughs> you know, go looking at the wife. Yeah. But, um, cool. Yeah. So how do you get so many different flavor profiles? You said you have sixty different kinds downstairs. I mean that seems like a ton for such like a small space. What do you do? Yeah. So I make what I like. Um, I tell everybody <laughs> one thing. I don't know what I'm doing. And I mean it with all sincerity, which is I make, my mother taught me how to cook as a child. She taught me to think about flavors. I make everything I make for myself because if nobody else likes it, perfect. <laughs> More for me. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But now do you use different kinds of honey to get the different kinds of it's almost infinite um so the type of honey changes the um we use pretty much one style honey now or maybe two Um, most of the honey we bring in is certified organic and it's from brazil it's got a really nice light flavor profile i find that it works really nice um with a lot of the fruits or spices that we like to work with the challenge with honey is that you know any pesticide sprayed on those flowers gets into the nectar Mm. the nectar is concentrated and that's how the bees make the honey so you know concentration of pesticides to me does not sound like a a win-win right you know and one of the things i paid attention to as a child is best ingredients make the best things you want to make right so like we spend seventeen thousand dollars for a 50 pound bag of vanilla beans you know why because nothing tastes like those vanilla beans and i want the only the best yeah. And, you know, I'll spend that money and, you know, have an amazing tasting product. People literally will spend upwards of you know, thousands of dollars down in my tasting room because they can't get anything like what I make anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Do you do anything for the whole save the bees? Yeah, that's uh, part of the reason why we've been a supporter and um, sponsor for the National Honey Board and the um, Pollination Center at UC Davis. Okay. Mm. I'm more curious about attracting attracting people to mead. Um, I think it's very easy with the product that you had, the the little bit that I had downstairs. Um, it's delicious. It, it was I, light. It was refreshing. Yeah, it, was refreshing. it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but how many return customers do you have, and how many new customers? I mean, a weekend, do you guys just have? I heard about you guys because of such and such. Or? Yeah, it's it's um it's growing. That's why we're looking for a new location. I mean, we're spoiler we're, alert. <laughs> yeah. We are at capacity and yeah. trying to. We have now two tasting rooms on property. Uh, we do tasting. We have a full time employee in Ohio. We have a brand manager down in Florida now. Um, our sales rate in Ohio has been growing at 300% year over Holy year. Crap. Wow. You know, Ohio. Yeah. What? <laughs> That's crazy. Well, you know, you make good product Apparently. and let people try it, then get out of the way. So it's liquid to lips. So the more time we can let people try what we're making, because you, t- you both talked about it. You talked about how... Oh, mead's going to be this sweet stuff, or maybe right, I've had it. Try it, but and that's it's also just even when you look at the shelves at a liquor store, sure, you don't see mead, well you know. because they don't put mead in the craft beer section. Yeah, yeah, right. So if mead's buried in the dessert wine section, 
your mead buyers are going to find it, right? Right, it's they one, know. One out of thousand is a mead buyer. Yeah, yep. yeah. But if you if we can get stores to put it next to the craft beer section, slam dunk. We had a yeah. store in Ohio, sorry, in Colorado, that had it in both their beer and wine sections. The craft beer section sold ten times more than the wine section. Yeah. Nice. That's an interesting. I've always yeah, wondered that's that study. Yeah. Yeah. Um, beer. I mean, um, mead demographic wise, how does it do? Well, if you notice the names of my meads, um, they're pretty strongly recommended or targeted towards women. So when I was putting together my business plan, the Canadian government had done a research project that talked about export potential for Canadian meaderies. And they said, if you target your product towards women, you had an exponential growth potential. Well, we've been living that exponential growth for 10 years. And we have meads like Tease, Flirt, (laughs) Fling, Desire, Smitten. Uh, you know, the list is 180 long, so it's it might take me a while to remember them all. <laughs> but, um, and it's it's really, you got to have, you know, I was at um, Lucky's in Australia doing a, a tasting. Lucky's is like this chain uh, bourbon bar, not cool. super big chain, but like three or four. Great Thai food. And the owner, I got a meeting with him, and he said, Michael, I got to tell you, your packaging sucks. <laughs> However, your liquid is just downright amazing he said if it was the inverse i'd say you're going out of business he said you can fix your packaging you can't yeah. fix the liquid so we fix the packaging yeah i can see i see old can label or bottle yeah, 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 that, yeah yeah you, you definitely look at the archives over there yeah. that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah it's you have a simplistic logo from what i see and yeah we call it um you know it's it's a, a moon rising over water yeah right so you have the shimmering effect of the moon um and the guys from poor poor yeah proportional design did a really great job on on our rebranding for us nice and where does the name come from the moonlight meadery well i was gonna i thought i was gonna keep my day job and do this part-time oh so you're gonna moonlight yeah Yeah. Yeah. i was gonna be moonlighting and i haven't worked for anybody else now in 10 years and um i kind of wish i'd done it sooner but you know i'm happy with where we've gotten to yeah i think a lot of the times we see even in our own realm with podcasters looking to make that jump to actually start a podcast um and same with brewers and people who are interested in mead wine whatever what was that point in your day job that you said you know i'm done i'm done I can, you I know do this full time. so july 7th <laughs> there we go i like this. yeah um i just put my first batch up for sale and it sold out in one day i quit <laughs> the so cool. day job the <laughs> next day um because i knew if i had a fallback position i'd always say what if what mm. if I could have tried a little harder? What if I could have given up my all? Yeah. Well, here I stand 10 years later, having sold my house, put every nickel of my entire um, savings into this company. And I like to tell my wife it's kinetic value. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of potential here. It's, yeah. it's, it's growing. We probably have over $3 million worth of uh, equipment and inventory right mm. now. And it's, um, you know, if I had an extra dollar, I'd put it into the business. You know, this money is just growing at, at an exponential rate. You know, our Florida sales, we're getting, you know, just got into Whole Foods uh, statewide in Ohio. Uh, we're doing business in cost plus world markets across the whole country. You know, up here in New England, Market Basket has rolled us into three states now. We're in Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and, cool. and Maine. They called us for Maine and Massachusetts. <laughs> Not too That's often. That's nice, right? Right, yeah. There's not too many market, but I mean, still, yeah, to have it's, that. It's, it's yeah. a step. Yeah, right? it's a step. Yeah. Each step leads to another. 
And when you have a billion dollar company calling you up and saying, hey, we'd like to roll you into at least a one or two more stores. Well, yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes. RDT, I will do that for yeah, you. Right, yeah. right. So, for, now, what kind of system are you making your meat on right now? So, it's a no boil system. So, we, we, oh, cool. um, we blend the honey, we warm the honey up to about 80 degrees Fahrenheit. So, it's hive temperature. So, we can pump it into the mixing mm-hmm. tank. Uh, we use oxygenated water. Uh, so we're injecting oxygen into the water. For as, the yeast, I assume, right? Yeah, or, to get it ready to go once yeah. we do add the yeast. Yeah. Um, we we um, use a organic nitrogen source, uh, so to give the yeast the nutrients it needs, the nitrogen, and um, the white wine yeast I talked about. Typically about three months start to finish to make a 14% okay. alcohol mead, and most of my meads are around 14%. The session meads, and my friends pick on me, go, yeah, session like an IPA um, <laughs> is around six and a half percent. I, I, it was funny when. But that's nice. Yeah. That's what we tried downstairs, yeah. and it was really good. It was funny when Bernice said session. He said 6.4 percent, and I said, I have sessions that are 3.2. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, So I was like, this is, a, this is my type of session. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. a one and done session. Yeah, 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 yeah right, yeah, right. Yeah. But I guess in the realm of mead, uh, we all, I'm such a big food person, and to see on your website, like front and center, cooking with mead. Um, I thought that was just so interesting because uh, I, I never thought of cooking with mead. And I know people cook with wine. And beer. And beer. Yeah, and, yeah. And Whatever else. So <laughs> the thing to think about is how much honey is used by chefs, right? Whether they're making oh, yeah, baklava, yeah. whether they're point. making a cheese pairing and having a little honey drizzle on the side. Of course, yeah. Or making a nice savory dish. So one of the things I wanted to be when I was a child was a cook or a chef. And so I think about flavors a lot. And when I read Garrett Oliver's book, Brewmaster's Table, I believe, um, on how to do beer and food pairings, I'm like, this is perfect. This is exactly, think of the flavor hooks that honey has. Yeah. Then you take a mead like Raz, which she said, which is a raspberry session mead, six and a half percent. And those raspberry notes with that carbonation, this would work with chocolate. This would work with a roast pork. This would work with you know, Just vanilla anything, ice cream. Right? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> but it's got those flavors that really kind of tie it all together. And, you know, some of the meads that we make, we make one called flutter, which is ginger. I've had that with Thai food or with, um, sushi. It's just, you know, think of the sh- ginger on the side of a sushi plate, right? These That's flavors, meant to be, right? it's just <laughs> spot on. Very yeah. Cool. I do like when I think we find a lot of time with beer. We we just recently had a harpoon cannoli stout, and we we're like, it didn't really taste like cannoli. But I do feel like once we get to try more of your meads, we're going to actually be able to taste the yeah. flavor and say, oh yeah, that is actually what we were trying to achieve. Yeah. Well, I've got a, a the collaboration I did with Smog City, the Russian Imperial Stout, aged Ooh, nice. yeah, I saw that yes in bourbon barrels for over a year. Very cool. Made with um, metafoam, not metafoam. Uh, the first year was metafoam. Made with uh, buckwheat honey. So buckwheat honey is really dark and earthy honey. Cool. This this beer. That's pretty amazing. This beer is yeah. fantastic. <laughs> now, I, I can't legally sell it in New Hampshire um, because it was made outside of state. I don't right. have a beer or beverage vendor gotcha. license. Money. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah. So when I fork over another thousand dollars to the state of New Hampshire, I can have this beer made and brought into New Hampshire, and we may go down that route. But yeah. like I said, we're we're looking to expand in our Hidden Moon Brewing Company, which is right now just a moniker for which we sell our cider more or less under. It's a tax saving. So the state of New Hampshire licensed us as a wine manufacturer and as a beverage manufacturer. 
Now they can't license the same name as both, so we had to create a DBA. So the DBA, which is the same company and the same legal entity as the rest of the gut bloody thing, is one (laughs) name, and everything else is the other name. Mm. So we do have customers asking about our beer, and you know we have worked with Portsmouth Brewery to brew a beer for us once, but the state won't allow brew pubs or nano breweries to brew a beer under contract. So I need a bigger one. Uh, right. We've been working and waiting on Great North to brew a beer for us, uh, my recipe, and execute on that. We just haven't gotten across that finish line at this mm-hmm. point in time. Very cool. Did you um, homebrew? I mean, were you a home brewer for beer at all? Oh, or? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I had a 20-gallon brewery built into the basement of my oh, house. Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Two conical fermenters, uh, condensate hood. Uh, yeah, I'm... I know what I'm doing. You go all yeah, in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, mead is your passion, but beer, it sounds like, is... Oh, beer is, is my go-to. Is your go-to. Russian Imperial Stouts, double IPAs. Nice. I'm not really into the hazy IPAs, but That's I okay. Can't. Neither are we. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to explain why. But I, I did come up with one. I, I think I want to hold back and not to say on the air right now, but it's... Uh, we'll talk after. Yeah, uh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Um, I, I'm just kind of... In shock, I, I have had a couple of meads and not been a huge fan. I'm very excited to try yeah, more. Yeah, but same. Where do you? You said cooking. Is it all cooking that inspired? And you said that what you like. But are you? How do you come to a recipe for? Yeah, it's all pops into my head. Yeah. Um, sometimes I've done uh, ramp ups of home mead makers recipes. Um, you know, sometimes it's just you know, like I make this one called uh, cherry decadence. So it's a dark cherry mead, like five pounds of chocolate in a five pound, a five gallon batch. Nice. It must smell really good. It, th- yeah. This this stuff tastes just amazing, and you know yeah. I'm not responsible for any pimples <laughs> and <laughs> that may result. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but it's it's so rich and decadent, and we made a raspberry decadence as well. So you know I'm I'm not afraid to go head to head. In 2015. I won um, the most medals at the American Me- or the International Mead or Mead Competition, Mazer Cup. So we took home three golds, two silvers, and a bronze. And the year before that, I was flown to Australia to be a guest speaker with Vinny from Russian River Brewing oh, Company get out. Yeah, yeah. Nice. as the other guest speaker Very cool. to Australia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know awesome. what it's like to look your wife in the eye and say, we're going all expense paid to uh, Australia for two weeks? That's a win. Kind of cool. yeah, it makes it kind sound cool. putting your house on the market and all that stuff. <laughs> kind of so, worth, yeah, right? worth it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I say I haven't worked for anybody else, but maybe I haven't gotten paid every year. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, um, what's kind of in your fridge at home? Do you know me a bit more here? Yeah. So, some of the beer styles that I like. So, I try not to drink too much of my own stuff all the time. Um, what was it? Um, Scarface, where he said, "Don't, don't." take your own supply or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't get high on your yeah, own yeah, supply. Yeah. So um, I tend to drink a lot of beer. Um, my favorites are Russian Imperial Stouts. I think um, New Holland, um, Dragon's Milk, when they mm. got into the state, yeah. their yeah. sales guy's first stop was this location. Nice. And I'm like, nice. you've heard about me, have you? Because oh. <laughs> we used to keep a keg of uh, Dragon's Milk on draft at the house. Oh, very cool. And a backup supply at, yeah. the, at the local uh, uh, store. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a big Russian Imperial Stout fan. Yeah. Um, you know, we've done uh, Wakefest every year down in Florida for the last several years now. Um, have done the Hunapu Festival. Uh, not doing that this year. But, um, 
you know, the, the, the Struis Beer Festival in Belgium, you want to talk about heaven? We're mm-hmm. six <laughs> miles down the road from uh, St. Sixtus Abbey where they make West Ludovan. And that, that beer, world's number one rated beer, six miles down the road, and they set up as much as you could want to drink That's for awesome. us at the festival. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could have like a last meal with beer or mead, what would it? What would your meal be? Hmm. No, that's a really tough question that I haven't ever thought about. So I'd pick something where I could pair both beer and mead with it. Um, we have done beer and mead dinners uh, in the past, but. So the last time I was in Belgium, we went to a um, historical or a historic restaurant type of location where it was basically like month-old age beef. And they, you get to pick the, the section that you yeah, wanted to yeah, get yeah. cut. And they had this fire pit going in the back, you know, just like a metal grate. And they put the logs into the top of the grate and the coals all just kind of scattered down the bottom. And they cooked the meat down on the bottom. And they came to the table and put out a big piece of paper and put this slab of steak on the oh, table geez. with like mushrooms and, and you know the gravy and a, a plat sauce, you know, with the mm-hmm. uh, the peppercorns and everything. And we were drinking Belgian beer, and I could oh, yeah. see how that would work with like one of our traditional meads, and drink like a Viking, man. Just yeah. just always <laughs> that glass up. But yeah, I, I'm I'm a foodie, man. We did, cool. you know, we love to go up and visit. Um, Chris Lively at Ebenezer's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we've had our meads uh, available up there um, by the bottle. And it's pretty cool when Chris taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, Michael, can you talk to this room of 300 people and tell them about this mead and what makes it so special? Okay. Yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah. I will. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, so it's it's those kind of relationships that, you know, we fostered over the last decade and the previous decades before that. You know, I mean, I met the Disruse guys at Ebenezer's probably 15 years ago. Yeah, and and here I am going to their festival in Belgium, yeah, as one of the only meteries from the United States to be at this festival. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah, you mentioned off air that your meat is measured as like the standard in the United States. Yeah, so if you look at the front page cover of the mead section of the BJCP style guidelines, my name's on the front page. I'm the only professional mead maker mentioned on that front page. And then if you were to flip through the style guidelines and pick a couple categories. You'll see the first meads mentioned are from Moonlight Meadery. That means that's the de facto standard to which all meads are judged against at homebrew competitions. And they're mine. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. Oh, man. If you ever came up with like a <laughs> pseudonym and went to homebrew competitions just as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's like right. they, there's a baseball player who did that with Rodeo. Oh, <laughs> right now. fun. Fun fact for our <laughs> listeners. Um, so what's next for you guys? You said expansion, but... Yeah, so I, I really want to get a brewery off the ground. Cool. I see it as um, um, I, the delta or the difference between being a brewer, winemaker, mead maker, or cider maker is how do you get your sugar, mm-hmm. right? So that that's really the, the first challenge. Once you get past that, it's all the same. Yeast consumed sugar creates equal amounts of CO2 and alcohol. It likes temperature control. It likes to know what's happening. If you have yeah. a decent, accurate sense of taste, like I'm a national rank BJCP judge. So I've judged homebrew competitions on at least four different you know, countries in the world now. Um, 
if you can smell and taste things, like I hate that I can smell everything I can smell because some <laughs> days it's not such a win. Right. Uh, but, you know, when I got my nose in a glass and getting, you know, getting able to do what I like, it's, it's really, when you see and smell art in a glass, it's like nothing you've ever experienced before because, you know, you get the clarity and you're like, okay, it looks good. And then you put it to your nose and you're like, yeah, here we go. And then, you know, once you taste that beverage, it's like it all comes to perfect, like literally balanced. Sweetness can range. All it's all yeah. perfectly put together. And you're like, this is a work of art, mm. right? This is what art tastes like. And that's, you know, so one of our taglines for our company. And, you know, I'm sorry, I've forgotten the original question. It's but fine. <laughs> no, this is, <laughs> this is great. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the well, tagline, you said one of the taglines. Yeah. So our first tagline for the company was curl your toes with meat because I was trying to be cute and sexy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. But my friends said, Hey, yeah, but that could be real bad. You know, <laughs> bad meaning instead of good meaning. Right. So, right. Right. Um, the tagline that I came up instead was romance by the glass. And cause I think meat is the beverage of love and you know, the term honeymoon and the stories around that and, you know, giving a newly married couple enough mead to last their first moon of marriage. Yeah. And then, you know, art never tasted this good. Just, popped into my head one day and I'm like, that is right. And this is what history tastes like, you know? Yeah. That's cool. That's, that's cool. <laughs> that's really cool. Sound guy, Ryan, do you have any of your famous questions? Yeah. As a business owner, what would you want to learn more about or improve on? Well, 10 years in, um, <laughs> cash flow management. So always a, a reoccurring revenue stream <laughs> idea around here. Um, growth costs a lot of money. Right. Mm -hmm. So a lot of newbies will think, oh, I just need to get it into so many different states and let it distribute it, do it, and I'll be rich. I've fired and worked with over 82 distributors in the last 10 years. It is not wow. an easy process. We've been fired too. So it's not like I'm this <laughs> saint. Yeah, I am not easy to work with. Um, how to ask for more than what you need is probably the number one takeaway that I have. Uh, today was the first major step in that. We've uh, restructured our finances for the company. Um, in the next seven years, we'll be debt-free. And nice. that's pretty amazing to me at this point in time. Um, and, you know, we're looking to, to buy and build a facility where, you know, we can have a bistro. We can do beehive to bistro, basically have our own beehives, not all the honey we use would be coming from those You'd beehives. You'd massive right. amount of honey. Yeah, yeah, yeah bees, we yeah. use about 25,000 pounds of honey per oh year gosh. on average right now. Um, and that average spans 10 years. So it's a lot more honey than that nowadays. But um, and we go through about 25,000 gallons of cider a year. So that's a lot of apples. So mm. I'd rather start having my own, you know, orchard farm location where people can come hang out, you know, relax. Enjoy the whole you know. experience. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think to bring this full circle, you have mentioned the sizer that you had as your first introduction to mead. That individual that introduced you to that, has he been able to have your mead or has he? Possibly. Uh, he was down in Boston. Um, I haven't seen him. I've emailed with him maybe once or twice over the last 10 years or so. But I mean, I really haven't seen him in 25 years. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I was a young yeah. young 34 year old <laughs> uh, when i first started so it's it's you know life has changed a lot over that course of time but yeah, yeah i'm friends with an awful lot of home brewers and professional brewers from all walks of life at this point in all parts of the globe 
we're hopefully going to be going over to um, Switzerland. We'll see what the <laughs> panic what epidemic happens, thing yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, hopefully this... by the time this airs, it's all water <laughs> under the bridge. Exactly. Yeah. That would be nice. Um, I'm kidding. Yeah. No more comment. Yeah. Cool. So I think this is kind of at the yeah. end of our interview. Uh, is there anything else that, Michael, you'd like to bring up? Just for... Well, I don't know. Did Bernice give you the Raz, what she said to try, or did she give you current obsession? I feel like we had the current obsession. I think it was the current obsession. Yeah. All right. I'm going to impress you. We'll try this that one. Sounds very good. This is yes. my raspberry. Sounds yeah, good. I'll pass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So while we're pouring this, um, where are you physically located? And then you said... I'm sure the website's probably the best resource to find you in stores. But. Yeah, well, actually, we don't list a lot of locations where you can buy our mead because it just turns out to be a great location for other people to advertise where to go try to sell their mm -hmm. mead against mine. Yep. Um, That's a good point. I never thought of it that way. <laughs> so, um, you know, contact your local uh, distributor here in New Hampshire. We do a ton of business with Market Basket, Hannaford, State Liquor Stores. So this is a raspberry session mead. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we definitely did not have this one. Yeah. That's fun. Oh man, that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Feel how fresh that raspberry tastes. It's so fresh. Yeah. Yeah. It I've... smells like it's off the vine. Like it smells like. Yeah, it smells like raspberry. Yeah, really fresh. Yep. It smells all around the room. It slaps. As the kids say today, it slaps. No, this is very good. Yeah. Yes. Wow. This is Thank awesome. you. So we're located in Londonderry, New Hampshire, just off of Exit Four, off of I ninety three. Um, you might have seen our trailer in the back of the building. Um, and the state came up to me and when I first put it there and said, how often do you move this trailer? And I said, as often <laughs> as I need to. Truthful and accurate. Mm -hmm. And we had these um, big banners put on the side of the trailer. And the town said, hey, you can't put a, a banner up on the side of a trailer. I said, how come? They go, well, it's just not allowed. You can't put signs up. I said, it's not a sign. It's a trailer. Mm. And it, <laughs> so... We had one sign below down, so we got to replace that one. But yep. yeah, we uh, we have a beautiful trailer in the back that talks about our tours and tastings cool. daily yeah. here at Moonlight Meadery. <laughs> Sounds good. So uh, Paul's got to love them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in closing, we uh, I never ask it, so I want to ask. Yeah, it today. you should ask it. Um, what are you most proud of? I get to work with my um, my family and um, really do something I love. You know, it's it's really pretty refreshing to see somebody come in and taste it and see their eyes smile and spark right up you know i i tend to be really shy and people don't believe that about me but you know for most of my career in high school and everything i didn't talk to anybody you know i was just a shy computer nerd right and you know happy behind a computer i didn't have to interact well um good good uh, i have been able to talk in front of rooms of thousands of people at this point in time I mean, to follow up um, Vinny from Russian River on a stage and talk to people in a foreign country that really haven't had your product before and share it with them and hear their applause and their, you know, uh, ambitions for what you've done, it doesn't suck. I mean, no, it's I'm pretty sure. damn yeah, good. Yeah. That's pretty huge. Yeah. Yeah. And the beer that I made with uh, Red Hill Brewing Company in Australia went on to win the Great Australian Beer Spectacular. Cool. So here's a beer nice. I collaborated with. Didn't get to brew it with them because on the other side of the world, but they released it at this festival. 27,000 people drinking this beer. Yeah. And it wins number one spot. Oh, I cannot wait for you to open a brewery now. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be exciting. Be great. Very awesome, guys. Thank yeah. you so much. Cool. No, thank, thank you, you for so doing much. this. Really appreciate and it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, come to Moonlight Meadery. Definitely, it's amazing. Yes, I you're gonna think... have, you're gonna find one that you like, whether you like the really sweet or something that's semi dry. And as many of our listeners know, my girlfriend does not drink beer, and I'm very excited to open her eyes to mead. Yes. Yeah, everything we make is gluten free, and yeah. uh, we have this one mead right now: our Kurtz Bourbon Barrel Apple Pie, aged for six months in Heaven Hill Bourbon Barrels. Mm. You want heaven? That is it. Yep. All right, I am going to and drink my weight in mead right tonight. So, <laughs> if you guys see weird social media posts, you know why I drink all the mead. So. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and cheers! And here's some much more success with Moonlight. Thank Meadery. you. Yes. I'm very Thank excited you so much. for you guys. Cheers. 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 Thank you, Michael, for uh, doing that episode with us. That was a fun trip for us, Ryan, because that was the first of our trip up to um, New like Hampshire. Nor- Northern New Hampshire. Yeah. And uh, we got a lot of cool breweries on that trip. That was actually our fir- last trip before everything was shut down. We literally did it a couple days before everything was shut down. Yeah. And in hindsight, you know, um, I don't know. I think we all underestimated what was going on at the time because mm-hmm. if we thought it was as serious as it is um we might have rethought going on that trip yep but uh, i am glad that we got those in um and we have a- another big one in the can for you uh, next week though we have an awesome episode i know we teased it in the intro uh, but uh gilded skull which is such a badass name Oh, super badass their yeah. logos on fire too yeah i'm so excited to hear that because uh Brian came to their group chat with you know what they're all about, and I had heard some rumblings about them too. And I said, "Hell yeah!" There wasn't even a question. It runs with, "Can we interview them?" I was like, "There's not even a question in my mind. We should interview them." Great, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we got so much. Li- we had so much support from you guys last week because of sharing. So, please share our podcast if you like what we're doing. Please. Uh, rate us subscribe uh tell a friend leave a comment on our social media um and if you don't like it leave a comment and let us know so we can improve we always want to be better Mm -hmm. cool and until next week cheers cheers